Speak softly loud and hold me warm against your heart. I hear your words, the tender trembling moment starts. We're in a world of our own. Welcome everybody to Hollywood Godfather Podcast. It's one of our favorite shows, The Mailbag. Junior Raymond, how are you, my darling? I'm great, thank you. So happy to be here. We are happy to have you. And my partner in crime, Patrick Pittorelli, please. How are you? How's everybody? Hope everybody's doing well. Good on this end. Good, good. Oh, tonight, uh, Gianni's been uh, partying a little bit too hard. He's been home counting his money, and uh, he's he's been at a couple of events, plus uh, filming two documentaries. No wonder you sound exhausted. Yeah. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. uh, This evening, we're going to uh, answer listener emails. Uh, which uh, Jeannie will be reading. So without further delay, Jeannie, take it away. All right. Well, Gianni, sorry to put you on the hot spot when you're having a hard time with that deep voice, but uh, this one is for you. Aloha, Gianni. When you were in New Orleans, did you ever meet Judith Berry Baker, the young, good-looking girlfriend and co-worker of, at the Billy Riley Coffee, or Billy... Riley Coffee Company of Lee Harvey Oswald. I remember reading in Judith's book, Me and Lee, that she and Lee had lunch with Carlos Marcelo. She was just out of high school working at Dr. Mary's lab in New Orleans. She knows all of the characters back then, including Jack Ruby. She would be a great guest to have on your show as she has a photographic memory. Both she and Lee loved JFK. And what is she, 80 years old now? It's got to be. What'd you yeah. say? She has to be 80 years old now. 80? With well, a photographic memory. Bobby Oswald was 24 at the time of the assassination. So, uh, yeah, about 80, a little older. Uh, but anyway, did you ever hear the name, Gianni? Judith Vary Baker. No. Okay, I'm going to reach I, out I dealt to with Carl, I dealt with Carlos only. His okay, crew I'm going to reach out to her. Everybody was separated. I will reach out to her and see if she's able to string two sentences together, and I'll uh, I'll let you know how that works out. Maybe we can have her on the show. I hope, I hope she's not listening to the show. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it, it'll be okay. We're struggling. Yeah, we have found out. Gianni, and, Gianni and I have found out over, over the last couple of weeks that we really have to vet some of these guests. We had somebody that reached out to us, a writer that was published by a mainstream publisher who uh, wrote a book about his uh, life as a as a criminal and then working undercover for the Department of Justice trying to arrest and arresting uh, corrupt police officers, traveled all over the United States. But the person who called me was not the writer himself. It was his manager, which Maybe. raised a red flag to me because writers don't have managers. They have agents. Anyway, I said, well, 
let me read the book. And I did. And it was one lie after another. Uh, and uh, in, in the meantime, though, prior to reading the book, we had a schedule as writer. So, uh, oh, yeah. And he told me he has uh, ALS, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. Which always amazed me because Lou Gehrig had Lou Gehrig's disease. Isn't that amazing? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, he said, yeah, he has, uh, he was just diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease prior to writing the book. And the only time he was available was a certain dates in December where he will be in Israel. And I'm thinking, first of all, who goes to Israel around this right time? Right now, especially right and now. And <laughs> he got ALS. What are you doing traveling to Israel? But I didn't say anything because I didn't read the book. Oh, yes. He also said that while he didn't go into the witness protection program, he, uh, he wants to maintain a low profile. Oh, and uh, is it, and I said, well, we don't have to have him on YouTube. I said, it can all be uh, audio. So he agreed to that. Then I read the book. And from page one, all I got was lies. You know, you have to understand, folks, that Johnny and I have two areas of expertise. Organized crime and police work. He's got the former. I, I, I do the latter. I know law enforcement and it was just one lie after another and we had already scheduled this guy and i'm thinking how did a publisher ever vet this guy vet the book anyway I, I got a hold of the manager and i said we're going to rescind the invitation for the following reasons and i went to a two-page email it was just the stuff that i could remember and i i, I you know so the thing is you know we have to vet our guests and uh, so i'm going to get a hold of miss Baker, and see if she wants to come on the show and if she can, uh, if she can do the show. Well, so, if she said she met me, she's lying. Because she never met me. No, she doesn't. Did she say that? Um, let's see. No, she's asking you if uh, uh, the, the writer is asking you if you ever met her. If you met her. Yeah, she said. Um, is, okay, I don't come. He so. said she had lunch with Mar uh, Carlos Marcelo, but the uh, the last line of her question I thought or of her email was funny. It said she would be great to have on your show as she has a photographic memory. She and Lee both loved JFK. Well, we'll see. Javi Oswald loved JFK. That's what she said. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well. And you just wanted to shoot her for what? Talking about. Well, practice. I would maybe that's what that's perhaps where they got the expression "tough love." There's <laughs> nothing tougher than a bullet in the brain, you know, to say "I love you." you know? And his missed, so. You know, yeah. you know that that would be a great hallmark card. R remind me to write that. Oh that my god. Okay. Next. All right. This one is. It says for Patrick from Wesley. I'm a college sophomore and in a debate with my history teacher as to when the Vietnam War started. There are many com or many conflicting dates on the Internet. You've mentioned that you are a veteran of Vietnam. Can you help supply some input? Well, there's conflict and different uh, ideas when it started because nobody really knows. Well, anybody can pick a date, but to put it in a short amount of time. We had troops in Vietnam from the late 50s. When JFK got in office, he escalated it. Uh, and uh, from, from 1960 on, of course, he was assassinated in 63. Johnson picked up on it, put in more troops. But here's the way I uh, figure it out. 
prior to February 7th, 1965, if you were in the military and got assigned to Vietnam, it was one of these places uh, where uh, you got sent to where you can bring your family to Vietnam. You can bring your family, your kids. Just like so going to the beach. Yeah, well, you can go to the beach. I tell you, Vietnam is a beautiful country. But keep in mind that they were shooting at each other from the late 50s. But uh, as far as the military was concerned, this was not a hazardous duty area. Uh, you, you could bring your wife, your kids. They sent you to school. You could get a housekeeper for $15 a month. You could rent a home, a home for $30 a month. People wanted to go there. On February 7, 1965, uh, there was a, uh, a major infiltration by uh, some North Vietnamese, uh, plus the, the Viet Cong that were already in the South, and they started to heat up the war, February 7th, 1965. So that's the date I always use. After that, the families had to go home, the kids had to go home, everybody had to leave their, the, the, the soldiers had to leave their $40 a month uh, haciendas and actually go on a military base, and that's when the war kicked off, in, in my estimation. Well, uh, I can't. I should know that. I, I didn't know that people took their families there. I worked Neither with did I. every day and did not know that. Yeah, Vietnam, <laughs> Vietnam is a beautiful country. Uh, uh, Saigon, which was the capital uh, then, it's now called Ho Chi Minh City. Saigon is a designed city. It was actually designed by an architect that designed uh, Washington, D.C. So if you look at a map, an aerial map of Washington, D.C. and Saigon, it's the same city. The city starts in the center and goes out in quarters, and it, it looks exactly the same. Only, of course, so it's another here. confusing city to travel in. Washington <laughs> D.C. You can get drunk just walking around. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I can tell you stories about me trying to get out of Washington D.C. on the roads and getting lost. No, but they keep anyway, going in circles. Yeah, exactly. But uh, don't want anyway, you to leave. So, so that's 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 an arbitrary date that I picked. But it, it could be really any time. People have their own opinions on when it actually started. This was a, 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 a guerrilla war, uh, an undeclared war, uh, until it wasn't. But who knows when it wasn't. But anyway, uh, I hope I answered your question. Weston. Yeah, it was great. All right. So this one is from Tony. This says, hello, Gianni, Patrick, and Jeannie. I'm really impressed everyone spelled my name right. So thanks, everybody. Love the show. I'm, I'm the only one that gets it wrong. <laughs> well, it gets spelled wrong every day, even by people that have worked with me forever. And when they're writing me emails, it's on the email. But, you know, it's okay. All right. So Tony says, love the show. My question stems from the Stonewall episode. In the episode, you briefly discussed the Gallo murder at Umberto's. I believe that you've mentioned Gallo in other episodes. But is there enough content based on your knowledge and experience to do a full episode on the subject? Is that no, no, it's been overdone. No, I mean the the famous night was his his fortieth birthday, and he died on it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we not only talked that to death, but so many movies, The Irishman for one, which screwed the whole thing up. Uh, so many books. It's really not a topic that. We, we can we can add anything new to. Would you agree with that, Gianni? I totally agree. Okay, uh, Jeannie, you skipped two questions. Oh no, I've got them here. Oh, I just went okay. out. Yeah. So um, this is from Karen. Hi, I've been a listener since the very beginning. 
I just wanted to congratulate you on adding Jeannie to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. I'm having a ball. Um, I think she does a great job, and it's nice to hear from another woman who actually knows about both organized crime and Godfather films. She's such a compliment to the podcast, and I really enjoy what she adds. The podcast is better than ever. Cheers, Karen. Okay, I think we have a problem here, Gianni. I think uh, Jeannie's going to ask for a raise. I tell you, <laughs> I tell you what. I tell you what. We're going to double. We're not even. Let you don't have to ask. Let's double it right now. Whatever. Yeah, right now. It's done. Okay. Thanks, Karen. I appreciate it. I'm having a ball. All right. So this one is from my daughter Hallie, and my son said I'd be. I I, I need to say that because uh, it would be mean to to not say that. So I will because she loves our show, and she loves. Everything written by Patrick Piccarelli. I so, know him. Yes. She's very impressed. Now, her husband, Pat, probably not as big a fan because when she gets one of your books in her hand, <laughs> she's she's all done for. She just hides. She said she ran in and hid in her bedroom so she could read one. But anyway, so it was quite cute. So she said, this is Marilyn Monroe's alleged daughter's actual daughter. And if you've read... If you've read uh, the book, then you'll know what she's talking about. Often when I am listening to the podcast and get a call from my mother, when I hang up and it resumes, I feel like I'm on a three-way call with y'all. I love the podcast and look forward to each week, not even being biased. I just finished Bloodshot Eyes and Popline in the same week, and I'm ready to. I'm ready for whatever is next for Ray Yell. I could write in a million questions, but before you know it, it I'd be on the podcast. For now, Pat, are race stories pretty comparable to your time in the NYPD? Can you elaborate on what it's like being on the force then? And the ultimate question for both you and Gianni, Yankees or Mets? My daughter's a big baseball fan, so she wants to know. Man, forget team. about it. I can't even believe they're still a team. They never win. Yeah, that I heard too. I, you know, I was just talking to your son, Jeannie. I'm, I'm, I am not a sports guy at all, so don't ask me. I don't. Uh, I don't really care. Uh, uh, but, but I'll, uh, I'll agree with uh, with Gianni. They, they, they don't win. I mean, neither of them. Huh? Neither. No, neither of them. No, well, yeah, anybody. used to win. Yeah. Well, used to, yeah, everything used to be. The, yeah. the, the whole city's going to hell. Why not the sports teams? Okay, that's, that's my, my sister in law is a diehard Yankees fan all day long. So she she'd argue with you. She's gonna oh. love it oh, all the way. Oh, so you're the ones. I, I know there was at least two of you out there. She is diehard, diehard. All right. Uh, so, all right. So uh, the, the, the radio stories, the comparable to my time in NYPD, the first book. Uh, is based on a case I had. Uh, I had never written anything before. That was, except the shopping list, but I've never written any prose or poetry or anything. But uh, I got so frustrated. I had been hired by uh, Penthouse Magazine to do a story on the Son of Sam killings. So they, they found, well, they heard there was no evidence. So the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the writer and I worked together, and uh, I told the story before on a podcast about it. Not going to go through it again. The, the the bottom line was, I wasn't able to find what they were looking for, which was video that was taking of se- uh, taking of several of the 
Son of Sam Killings. If you don't know who Son of Sam is, look it up. Uh, so I didn't know what to do with all this information that I garnered. So I figured I'm going to write a book and instead of putting me in it, I made it fiction. And that was Bloodshot Eyes. Uh, so that was that was my story. But as far as anything, the only other book I wrote was a sequel to that called The Pop Line. And that was strictly made up. So it didn't have anything to do with anything I did, except that it takes place in a small town in southern Pennsylvania. And it's like a fish out of water story. Uh, and the only thing that's comparable to me there is that I live in a small town in Western Pennsylvania. And uh, what's it like being on a police force? We don't have enough time. Anyway, it was fun for the first 10 years. And then it got to be not fun. Is that a word? I don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't think it got to be, uh, no, it got to be bad. Not as bad as it is now with the politics involved. But, you know, somebody once told me this is no job uh, for an adult. And, th and this is one of the reasons why they got a 20-year retirement. I retired when I was 40. Uh, because it, it just burns you out, as all police work does, I think. I hope that answers your question, Helen. Yeah. Well, thank you. You know, and, and when you say that's a young man's job, um, so many of my friends right now are in Las Vegas at the National Finals Rodeo, which comes along. It's a big deal. Hits Las Vegas every year at this time at the Thomas and Mac. And um, there was that shooting at UNLV. And I was so impressed seeing the way, I mean, the everybody came running. These were cops in street clothes. It just sound, looked like they brought everybody in, you know. And I, my heart goes yeah, out to know, folks. Yeah, I think people have to understand, no matter what you think of, of police, and we're not very popular. And I still include myself in it, uh, even though I've been retired longer than I've been on the job. But uh, was on the job. But if you think about people on that job, men and women, somebody starts shooting and they run towards the I'm shooting. Towards you have to yeah. ask yourself, to those of you who are cop haters, would you do that? Next right. question. Yeah. All right. Gianni, this is for you. Hi, Gianni. This is from, let's see, Doug. Recently got hooked on the show, and I have a question regarding Connecticut. I'm of Italian descent and have lived in Connecticut my entire life. I've always heard rumors of the mob being in Connecticut. Do you have any knowledge of the mob in Connecticut going back to the 60s through today? Aside from the cas casinos, were you ever in Connecticut back in your heyday? No, I never was, no. But... uh the mob all had some homes there. <laughs> in fact, uh, Joe Colombo retired to his after getting shot in the head on June 26th, 28th, 81. Didn't the, uh, the uh, Patriarch family have their hooks into Connecticut? Well, Raymond, Raymond ran all Rhode Island and Connecticut. Okay, yeah. Yep. Raymond wow. Patriarch. But that was Rhode Island. It was out of Providence. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is from Courtney. It says, love the show, guys. Gianni was wondering if you know this character I always see on social media. Wayne Diamond, who has the year-round Always Tanned Guy podcast. Wayne he Diamond is such an idiot. I would really like to tell you what he is, but I can't use that kind of language on my own show. Well, Wayne Diamond is 
Mining diamonds from the garment industry, got all this long hair, wears glasses, bangs, and nobody knows who he is. I, I chase him every time I see him. He wants to sit down and get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Wayne Diamond. What's his plan to fame? What, what, what does he say he is? He says, I'm Wayne Diamond, and you should know him. Oh, okay. No, nobody. A nobody. <laughs> 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 now you got me. Now you got me curious. All right. Yeah. Well, 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 what, what, where the, who's this lady? Where's she from? Courtney. Um, from where, though? I don't think she says. She just says Courtney. I guess I she know. listens to Wayne Diamond's podcast. She might be the only one. He has a podcast. No. Yeah. yeah the name of the podcast is the Year Round Always Tan Guy Podcast. Yeah. Oh my God! See. When they say everybody's got a podcast, now I believe it. There you go. Everybody does. I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't have a freaking podcast. I know people who have podcasts that don't even know what they're doing. I've got a guy who comes from a broken marriage. His kids hate him. And he's got a podcast about how to raise children and have a happy marriage. Oh, my. I won't tell you who he is. Maybe he's trying to learn how. Well, he's got to teach himself then. because He's offering advice. I'm going to tell you a few things because people who have been married a time or two can tell you what not to do. So good. You know, you learn from good and bad things. Yeah, but he doesn't, this, this person doesn't admit he, he, he passes himself off as an expert on, oh. on, on, on how to keep your marriage together, how to keep oh. everything, you know, how to raise kids. One kid is, uh, is, is, is a, is a, is a criminal. The other kid is too stupid to be a criminal. I mean, it's like Johnny said, everybody has a podcast. And while we're on the subject, uh, time for a commercial, Johnny. Oh, yeah, please. We need some money. Yeah. Yeah, we no, need yeah. a lot of money. Thank God we don't. But yeah, we just gave we just gave Jeannie a raise. We need the money. That's right. Huh. You're going to need that money. <laughs> we'll be right back. Corleone Vodka on March 9th was picked as the best vodka for martinis in the world by the Rob Report. By calling 518-713-4050 or 518-220-9463, it could be shipped directly to your house. The finest vodka in the world by Rob Report. Okay, we're back. All righty. Oh. You said on attack? Okay, go ahead. Did you say, what'd you say? Oh, you ready for me? I wasn't we sure. If you were gonna re I didn't know if you were going to talk some more, so I was trying to not interrupt. No, did you know, did you know, before we get on with the email, that uh, the average woman speaks 22,000 words a day, and the average male speaks 7,000 words a day. So we're running out very quickly here. Okay. So <laughs> you're going to have to hold up your end. So go ahead. Well, no one's ever accused me of being quiet. I can guarantee yeah. you. <laughs> Quite the opposite. <laughs> Someone said you're quiet today, and I said, said no one ever. All right. So this is from Chris. Love the podcast. Haven't missed one episode. Looking forward to many more. Gianni, I love Italian food and have never been to Manhattan. Would you please name three restaurants that serve the best dishes as I am planning a trip for 2024? He said better do one of these, make sure they stay open. Thank you both for your efforts on making this the best podcast. We all enjoy it. Happy holidays as well, Chris. 
Where's how much money do you have? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You want to come eat in the best restaurants in New York, and I'm unfortunate. Unfortunately, my family owns all of them. My family owns Canatella, Opestino. We, I mean, we got. I mean, they have not me. I'm yeah. not in the restaurant business anymore. But uh, there's some great restaurants in New York. Okay, those are two. Can you come up with a third? Well, then, yeah, well, yeah. The, well, you go down to Mulberry Street and go to Olamella, one of the oldest restaurants, was owned by a good friend of ours that you know, Matty yeah. the Horse. Matty the Horse. Yeah. It's still there. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, to to have an Italian restaurant in Manhattan, you basically have to be good, or you're going to last about a week and a half. I mean, the oh, competition yeah. is severe. Mm -hmm. Food is so good. Uh, and and like Johnny said, bring money, bring plenty of it. Uh, not 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 cheap at all. And then picking picking the best three is like picking your favorite child. I mean, you know, it's difficult. I know. I've learned something from you guys on this show. Go to the ones with the awnings, right? You know yeah. That that was your father that said that, didn't? He? Yeah, yeah. If, if if you're going to it, yeah, I can guess it's been a years since I brought that up. If, if you're in a strange city and you don't know where to eat, uh, don't go to restaurants that have a sign that says open. Okay. Go go to uh, a restaurant that has an awning. That's what I looked at him because I was like eight years old when he told me this. And he just said, listen to me. <laughs> and, and, and whenever I'm, uh, you know, when I was doing a lot of traveling, I would. I'd go to the restaurant that has an awning and stay away from the restaurants that say open. All right. I, I took some notes. Listen, I passed the test. Long time listener right here, because that's something I've learned. It's the education okay. podcast as well. <laughs> All right. So this is for Patrick from Carlo. If you were to pick one outlandish incident you experienced in your NYPD career, what would it be? Oh, man. Oh, March 1969. I'll never forget this. I mean, in the police academy, it's. It, I was in the police academy. And in those days, you came on a job, they gave you a gun and a shield the very first day. Uh, they don't do that anymore. They're, you got to be like six months into the academy before they give you one. Anyway, we're armed and it's snowing like a bastard, man. It was uh, The cops couldn't get to work. So what they asked us to do was whatever precinct you live in, make your way to it. Because there's no cops. There's very few cops that can, you know, patrol the streets. It took me about an hour and a half to get to my local precinct. And we didn't have blue uniforms. where We were trainees. We were recruits. So we had gray uniforms. But everybody knew who we were. All right. I'm just setting the mood. So me and this other guy from the class wind up in a radio call with these two old guys. When I say old. I mean, I'm in my 20s. They might have been in their 40s, which means they were ancient at the time. And we're in the back, and one of the guys turns around and says, okay, they had chains on the wheels. That's the only way to get through the snow. One guy turns around and looks at us and says, we don't want to hear a word from you for the next eight hours. Shut up, only in more colorful language, and just do what we tell you to do. I said, okay. So we're about 20 minutes into the tour. We're driving down the street with us in an apartment building, and all of a sudden, a sofa comes out of a window. A sofa. And lands about 20 feet in front of the car. And we don't know where it came from. Had to come from a height. That's all we knew because nobody on the street. But we got jams on the brakes and we slid. Then a toilet bowl comes out and hits the hits the uh, uh, the, the hood of the car. 
then we then we got out and we just ran toward the building. Chairs, silverware, kitchen tables. And now we saw where it's coming. I was on a top floor, sixth floor. So we go and we had to break the glass of the building to get in. We go up and the door of the apartment building is open, of the apartment itself, is open about six inches. So we have to break a door down. We walk in and here's what we see. A black guy, naked. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> six foot, six, six foot seven, six foot eight, somewhere around there. About 300 pounds of solid muscle. And how do I know it was solid muscle? He because was naked. he was naked. <laughs> and not only was he naked, he was covered with blood. Oh, God. Wow. His whole body was covered with blood. Blood on the floor, blood everywhere. We didn't see anybody else. I am. I mean, I just got out of Vietnam, and I'm scared shitless. I mean, in his hand, he's got a blackjack, and he's swinging it. And sorry, pardon me. What's a blackjack? Oh, you have to get out more. It's a, a blackjack. Nice a spring-loaded sap uh, that is very deadly. It's like a it's it's like a bludgeon. Of, uh, like a three-pound leather. Yeah, it's hammer. it's it's a spring-loaded. Uh, I'll Google it with, right. a, a, with a knob on the end and all of this is wrapped in leather and this guy's swinging it and you have to understand people say well why didn't you shoot the guy because he charged us and contrary to what you see in, in the movies if somebody is closer and this is an exact figure don't ask me where they got it closer than 27 feet you're not going to have a chance to take out your gun and shoot him All right, over that you have a chance first of all the guns on an NYPD holster are locked and you got to slide your thumb in between the cylinder and the, the holster itself before you can get it out, which makes it even longer. So the guy tackles us and he's beating us with this blackjack. Sorry. And I'm screaming. We're all screaming. Get a sheet. You know, we figured we'd get a sheet, wet it. The blackjack Oh, do you know where this is going, Gianni? No, I'm, I'm just sitting at the edge of my chair. <laughs> Blackjack is his penis. He, he cut it off. Oh, Lordy. Oh, my That's God. Where the blood came from. And he's beating us with this thing. And he's walking around and not fainting. No. No. He's and we didn't know it until we got smacked around a little with it. <laughs> it's funny oh. now. You know, well, I think right now I'm, I wouldn't even repeat that story if I were you. <laughs> we get the guy, we get the guy down, and we started wrapping him in sheets and blankets. Uh, EMS comes, the hospital, the uh, ambulance, and uh, takes him and his member, and off they go. And uh, Elmhurst General Hospital is the closest hospital, and in this in, in the snow, supposed to take them a half an hour to get there, and then. If you ever get in a, in a toaster, you have to go to the police, have to go to the hospital, too. they got to check you out. I felt fine. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've never been hit in the head with a penis. <laughs> uh, but uh, we you don't consider that a lethal weapon, I guess. But we had to go to the hospital. So we're in the hospital. We're covered with blood. And they, they thought we were injured. Anyway, this doctor comes in. Your pride. <laughs> and he says, well, he said, you'll be happy to know that we were able to reattach the gentleman's penis. I said, well, I'm, for one, I'm thrilled. I said, well, I don't yeah. like it. I, you know, 
And uh, that story has gone down in folklore in the NYPD. Uh, the, 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 if you work in a 114, that was the precinct. Was there, that's Astoria. That's the first thing you hear when, when you get assigned to the precinct is the, the man with the lethal penis. Oh he, lived. he lived. They reattached it. And- How did they reattach? I mean, just knowing, <laughs> knowing that, that three-piece set that I have, an old one, how do you right? <laughs> it's got to be. It's got to be very careful surgery. I, I guess they got to get a hold of a penis doctor. I mean, I don't know. Hey, they uh, reattached John Wayne Bobbitt. So hey. Yeah, well, put it this way: you can't staple it on. That's for sure. Oh so, I mean, man! They, I, I mean, they got to reattach nerves and stuff. But I said, I, I don't give a damn. You've ruined my goddamn uniform, and I'm going to have to live this down for the rest of my life. Wow! And, you know, I just thought, looking back, made my face quite, hurt. <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess you had to be there. Oh, I thought it was hilarious. Sorry, I'm glad I wasn't. I tell you that. No, I didn't think so. You know, <laughs> uh, but that's the most. I mean, I've been witnessed them been part of outlandish stuff in 20 years on a job. But that, I mean, just to ask a general question, why didn't he bleed to death? Right. I don't know. He was covered. It was more blood on him and on the floor than, in my estimation, was in the human body. And we didn't do anything to, to stop the flow of blood, trust me. We just oh, wrapped them in, in whatever we could find, yelling, screaming. And this wasn't the first time he did it. Not that this is the first time he, 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 he sliced off his penis. But he had a habit when he flipped out and whatever mental problems he had of throwing stuff out the window. So, you know, they it was known. And this doesn't do it often, but he did it in the past. Yeah, you know, he should to the first floor. Yeah. Well, thanks, Carlo, for that question. <laughs> hey, Carlo asks. We don't Carlo, know that. thank you. Okay. Yeah, me and my cheeks hurt. That was a good one. All right, this is from Sylvia. And I, uh, are you guys aware of the feud between Michael Francis, I'm saying that right, and Joey Mer- Merlino? That's been mentioned on a few Organized Crimes podcast. What's your take? Yeah, I am. If I were you, I wouldn't comment to it. That's what I thought you would say, Gianni. No comment. This went viral, so we're not telling stories out of school. But but let me say, when I say, we shouldn't repeat it. Let it go viral and let them be, and let them quote who said it. All right, all right. With Joey especially, Joey, I mean, Michael Francesi, I don't even want to get into that, but. Michael, you don't quote. I don't right. Okay, well, he's the one. Uh, Francis was was the one that that did the post that started this. Not actually, Joey did the post, but Michael responded to it. And after that, it blew up. Yeah. But okay, you don't want to mention it. We mention it. Gianni would normally say, "Moving on, right?" Go ahead, moving on. Yeah. Moving on. All right, uh, Patrick and Gianni. This is from Eddie. When a made member of a crime family gets prison time, is it a policy for the family of to financial financially support the member's family until his release? Well, it used to be that's what destroyed it. It used to be you'd get your envelope every week and went to your wife. The whole thing is a mess now. Nobody's respecting anybody. Everybody's giving each other up. It's it's so unorganized. Yeah, when I was growing up, that's uh, you know that went on forever. Your wife got hit, but somebody stopped at the house personally, yeah. hand you an envelope. When when do you think that stopped? Well, different families. 
different families ended it when they wanted to especially when younger guys took over that's it i mean i know just, for a while there they were they, they were telling the wives the mothers whatever that they can expect an envelope and we'll take care of you that's you know that's the word we'll take care of you course. yeah don't worry about it started with an envelope for a couple of months two three months and then it stopped and then it got to a point correct me if i'm wrong where it just stopped altogether mm -hmm. yeah wow so what you were gone out of sight out of mind huh i guess no it's just disorganized now that's it yeah wrong people same, i'm sorry what'd you say johnny the wrong people are involved now yeah and it doesn't seem like they have the respect for everything the way it was back back in the day i guess well it's, it's a different time electronics right. everybody yeah. everybody's business that's Moving on. Moving on. All right. This is from Mike to Gianni and Patrick. What's your opinion on Lucchese Hitman and the Gemini twin Anthony Centers released from prison after 38 years of a life sentence for 11 murders and numerous other crimes? You got something, Johnny? Well, I, the only reason, I mean, what's going on is like a guy like Sammy the Bull. I think he's credited for 23 murders. He has a podcast. The guy did 36 years. Well, this is really, I looked into this. Uh, this is really the first time that this has happened. Uh, uh, Semi the Bull had a deal going I in. I know. That's this what I'm had saying. A deal. He, got, he got a life sentence. So he does 38 years. And this was, he, he, he was in, he, he was in uh, the uh, Gemini crew. If, any, if anybody knows, he was, in fact, he was called a Gemini twin. Right. Because a guy named Anthony Testa were like brothers and they called them the Gemini twins. I mean, this is like a roach motel. You went into the Gemini lounge, you were able to get in, but you never got out. I mean, they would kid you and cut you up. These people were brutal. I mean, uh, even the bosses were afraid of these guys. They, they were particularly horrendous in the way they killed and who they killed. Women, they didn't care. They just killed. And oh, they these, take two guys were the, these two guys were the worst of the worst. So this guy gets 38 years. He went in, he went in when he was 30. He's 68 now. I'm kind of mystified, truthfully, as to how this guy's getting out. He must be sick. No, he's not. He's not oh, sick. He? 68. He's fine. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, Nobody seems to know why they're letting this guy out. And these are 11 murders that he admitted to. And, and I tell you, I was reading some of the ways these people were killed. Not nice. Why do you want to talk about him here? I mean, yeah, this wasn't yeah. a mob hit. This was torture. And, well, that's uh, what they did. They bullied you out. This is the first time. Uh, and there's a lot of speculation as to why. Uh, and I have no idea. No. No. Okay. Moving so on. I can't answer right. the question. Well, holidays are coming. I, that was our last question. So... Hopefully this airs before Christmas. If not, we can. Uh, I just wonder if you guys have any fun holiday traditions that you normally do around Christmas time or around the holidays. Is there anything you do that you do every year? You know, it's so funny that you're saying, well, that's it. Uh, now now it's a holiday time. Let's talk about if we're just killing people, chopping them up. <laughs> let's sing, <laughs> let's sing Jingle Bells. Let's sing Jingle Bells. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, moving on. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'll answer that question for me. I'm just going to try not to get bored. And I won't tell you why. But uh, uh, just, just a holiday. I don't know. What about you, Johnny? I have something I'm so looking forward to. I missed it for three years during COVID. Giorgio Mani is hosting this Thursday a private lunch for 40 people with, uh, with the Pacelli family in his restaurant on Madison close to everybody, but us, us 40 people, I happen to be one of the 40. And I love Andre Pacelli. Oh, how nice. You know, I saw something on, on Facebook about you're involved with something at uh, Patsy's. I'm doing that for, for you know, I Joe, the, the grandfather, and uh, they have every, every December 12th tomorrow, which happens to be my birthday, Sinatra's birthday as a tribute to him and his granddaughter normally shows up and uh it's it's a nice tradition because he, he really helped them a lot and he had his own entrance to the uh, to the restaurant and they do this and i think it's a tradition and uh they're serving my vodka from there and they're doing stuff like that so i'm uh, i try to support it so you, you are going um well, I could say no because this show's going to come on afterwards. I make oh. people think I'm going. I ain't going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Great restaurant. Yeah, Patsy's is really good. Be the worst day for me to go on my birthday to go there. Yeah. All right. No. Okay, yeah, folks. Plans for your birthday, uh, Gianni? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. Some friends of mine. I can't mention their name because they're very powerful people. We're having a party tomorrow night and there's a, a friend of ours that i miss terribly well you know who it is Pat. yeah outside yeah. and uh, we're having a party and we have a table with a place setting for him oh nice is that, at, is that at the restaurant Gianni? no not his restaurant no 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 i can't even go in his restaurant anymore why not uh, just to me, it's, I can't go in there. I've been oh, because you miss your friends. 30, 40 years, Ralph's been there. What are we going to do? I'm uh, an old, sentimental guy. Yeah. All right. I can see that. So. All right. Well, anyway. You can see what? I'm old and sentimental? No, it's just just no. the sentimental part. No, I know you by this time. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Thank uh, God you do. You walk in there, and he's and he's not there, and you can't, oh, even, you can't yeah. enjoy a meal. I get it. Yep, yep. Uh, and anybody, what are you doing, Junior, in Utah? In Utah, well, I'm going to Vegas this week. I, I'm going, it's it's a crazy thing. I'm hoping to get to see Toby Keith. Um, he's been fighting stomach cancer, and he is playing at the, the National uh, Finals Rodeo, <laughs> which I don't know if you guys are, uh, I, I don't think that you are. You're in yeah. cowboy country here, but that's what it is—the national finals rodeo. And there, there, he's been playing every. It's been in Vegas. You what? I've been in Vegas every December for fifty years. I know it's and fantastic. And they just for another twenty-five years. I know. Should we all meet up there next? We should all meet up there. Right I doubt that. The God, the Gons, the Gons, very good friend of mine, Jackie Gon, and all them. Oh they, yeah, they, it's their places. It's their they got it. They did a well, great it's job a, with it. It's a the, big deal. Uh, it's awesome. When I was a kid, Madison Square Garden, the old one, there was Madison Square Garden on 50th Street and 8th Avenue before they built the new one. Uh, they used to have a rodeo every year. And I was like six. 
That's the last rodeo I went to. And if they I call that, that's the Square Garden still has the rodeo. Oh, they do? Yeah, they, for 10 days they come in, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I did go to the my first, uh, the opening of the Bull Riders Only one year, years back at, at Madison Square Garden. That's what I came to New York to do. <laughs> see the see some cowboy stuff, but yeah, I, I'm hoping to get to Vegas. If everything works out right, I'm heading there. I'll be there for uh, the concert, saying some prayers for Toby Keith. Hope he can make it. He hasn't been uh, singing for two years because he's been fighting cancer. Well, I'm shocked he's going to be in a concert. Being I am. Uh, well, let me tell you, I saw him sing one song on some awards a few weeks ago, and. I don't know how he's going to do one concert, let alone three. But I, I sure hope he—I sure hope he makes it. So I, I plan to do that. I'm hoping to sneak over to finally, hopefully, fingers crossed, get over to the Mob Museum and check that out. And then that's about it. My kids are on their way to New York to watch the Buffalo Bills play the play the Dallas Cowboys. So, oh, wow. There's that. Oh, one more thing. I just want to say congratulations. I hope it's okay, you guys. My son just got, uh, was chosen as the head coach of the football team of the Clearfield High School. And we are thrilled as a family, so excited for him. Last year, that those, the last two years, that team has not won a single game. So we've decided <laughs> as long as he can pull off one win, it'll they be great. They can only improve. That's right. And I'm sure he's going to be fantastic. So, so excited. And this is your, this is your grandson or nephew? Who is this? This my son is the new head coach. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, we're so tickled. We it's a long time coming, and and I think he's going to do a great job. So we're really excited. That's Super good. What's your son's name? His name is Cody. Coach Cody Caputo. Well, tell Cody that we uh, we congratulate him. Yes, Thank please. you very much. And we're and so we tickled. Like his last name because he's Italian. That's right. We got some Italians running the show now. Hopefully, that'll Good. that just means the they that needed. Team will definitely be a success. That's right. Because he's gonna he's gonna give that team uh, uh, something that they can't refuse. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Advice that they can't refuse. Okay, folks. That's uh, that's about it for the show, Johnny. All right. Well, whatever whatever you're doing, enjoy yourselves, stay safe, and God bless you all. Goodbye. Okay, God bless you. Happy birthday. Good night, Johnny. Good night. Good night. Good night. And now, the end is near. It's time to face the final curtain. My friends, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case, to which I am certain. I've lived a life that's full I've traveled each and every highway But more, much more than this I did it my way Regrets, I've had a few But then again too few to mention I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption 
I've planned each charted course, each careful step along the byways. But more, much more than this, I did it my way. Oh, there were times I'm sure you knew when I bit off more than I could chew. But through it all, when there were doubt, I ate it up and spit it out. And I stood tall and through it all, I did it my way. I've had my share, my fill of losing. And now, as tears subside, I find it all so amusing to think I did all that. And may I say, not in a shy way, Oh no, 